0: Tonight we're going to be talking about mutuality. That's the title of the message and I I actually love this word. Now I don't love the word, I love the meaning of this word and what it's coming to mean more and more in our marriage. So this is a marriage message and it's about mutuality. And when we think of mutuality in marriage, we're talking about how We are not just thinking of me. We come into marriage, and most of us, unfortunately, even if we've gotten some counseling, we come into marriage not really recognizing how me-centered we are, how self-centered we are. Because that's just our natural default. And so we know that when we get married, the two of us, this one that we love, the two of us are going to become what? One. One. The problem is, in, in how this happens, is which one shall we be? <laughs> because when things start going wrong, who, who do I think is Right. I think I'm right. I mean, why would I think it if I wasn't right? And that happens to be...
1: That's my same problem. It's like all of us. You know, we wouldn't think the way we did if we didn't think it was right. So that's what causes the conflict sometimes.
0: And so we come in sometimes very unprepared. And then when difficulties come up, instead of mutuality, which is really not so me-centered... When we're in a marriage, now we're supposed to be us-centered, because that's what becoming one looks like, and it's supposed to be like, and that's often a difficult transition in reality.
1: Well, it's how we grow our love. And so we're talking about mutuality in the relationship. It is that we are both giving and receiving love from one another. And as, we're, as we do that, our lives come closer into harmony. If I stay in my position, if I stay in my, my perspective, and then I'm right all the time, and that if there's problems, it's always his fault, then we do not have mutuality. So, mutuality is growing that love closer together and seeking to grow our love together in Christ, which is the person, the one, who brings us that true harmony and mutuality in the relationship.
0: Philippians, the second chapter, in verse 3, it says, Let nothing... Let how much? Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. I want to stop right there and and make this very simple and practical. We all know what strife is, right? We all know what that that feels like, what that's like in our relationships. But sometimes we miss what vainglory is. Okay? This is a demonstration of our selfishness. It's a demonstration of our self-centeredness. It's a demonstration of I want my way, and it's vanity, and I want to get the glory that should be going to who? To God. And it says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Is that natural for us to have lowliness of mind? It is not natural for us. Okay, it says, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than who? Myself. Is that natural? No, it's not natural. But this is what God wants us to do to experience mutuality In our marriages is it possible yes absolutely all things are possible through Christ all his biddings to us which this is one of his biddings let nothing be done through strife or vainglory all his biddings are his enablings in other words he never asks us to do something that he is not through his grace and his power working through our weakness able to accomplish in us as his people it's just that it's not just something he's trying to do in one person it's something he's trying to do in two people at the same time
1: and that's why we, we our theme it goes along with our theme living faith because it's impossible to do this aside from christ For two people to have harmony and mutuality in the marriage relationship needs to have two people who are living by faith in the power of Christ. And so as we go through this message this evening, we're going to cover three basic areas of mutuality think of what your relationship is and how you've done over this last week or the last few weeks in your marriage and how have you grown in your mutuality or how have you been stagnant and in reality we're not stagnant if we're not growing we are what declining right we got to go one way or the other. There's no level spot here in the Christian experience. Also in the marriage, it should continue to grow. We want to help create a vision tonight in our relationships as husbands and wives that helps us to continue to press on to gain and, and grow in that mutuality. So I want
0: you to think about something tonight. It's a word that, that we often use in our own relationship, and also as we're sharing and counseling with others. And that is, I want you to think about your mindset tonight. If you have the mindset of mutuality, and hopefully you'll have more of it if you don't already tonight, by the time we're done sharing, but if you don't have that mindset, then you're probably experiencing the default mindset. That means that when something happens that we disagree about, I default to wanting my way. Okay? That's the default setting. And that's the default mindset. If tonight we can move our thinking by the grace of God and its surrender to the will of God, we can change, he can change that mindset so that we think in terms of mutuality and not in terms of my way.
1: So we're going to look at these three areas here tonight, and these are three areas that often cause conflict. In fact, the two of them are the number one and two cause for separation and divorce. So we want to look at those tonight in the context of mutuality and the scriptures and what God desires for us to grow in our love for one another. One area we're going to look at is the financial part of a relationship. that's, that's
0: number two area of, of separation and divorce.
1: The number one is communication or lack of communication. We're going to look at mutuality and how we communicate. And the last area we're going to talk about is mutuality in our spiritual connection.
0: Okay, so here we go with finances. This has to do with, with a financial mindset. We were very fortunate, and, and, and many of you are... Some of you that have been longtime family Retreaters. retreat people know that we didn't, we had a marriage that was made in heaven, we have no doubt, but we thought we were going to just live happily ever after we said, I do.
1: But we weren't made in heaven.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we found out that, that we had some big difficulties that we faced, especially in our first two years of marriage, that some of you know and you've heard us share. And so our mindset in financial mutuality was one area we didn't struggle with. Praise you, Father.
1: That's right.
0: (laughs) Because that might have been too much with the issues we faced. But we came from homes where there was very strong financial management, particularly on the part of each of our mothers. Okay? Okay. And it made a very big impact on us. That was not something that we had to struggle with to get equilibrium. Many couples that we have gotten to know over the years, in the last 28 years of marriage and in counseling situations, have major struggles where you've got one person, and I won't say which it is because it's been both in both many different ways, but you've got one person that if if there's money that's available to me, it must be there to be spent on something I'd like to get right now, okay? And then there's the other person who's saying, can't we save a few dollars out of our paycheck? If we don't save for a rainy day, we're going to be in, in serious situations. And that creates some of those difficulties.
1: So mutuality in the relationship, it's not my money and it's not his money, it's our money. We came into our marriage both working full-time as health professionals. I had my own apartment, my own car, my own money, my own savings account. He had all of that on his side. But when we got married, we pooled it immediately together. It was now one account under both our names to be shared, and and the decisions on how we spent that money was to be Discussed and agreed upon in the relationship. That was a huge blessing for us. So it's not my money, it's not his money, it's our money.
0: And it's really God's money, but we're the stewards. That's right. Yeah. And the other
1: example that our parents were very good to instill in us by precept and example, They that means they, they demonstrated that. They lived it out, not they just told us what was the right thing. And that was to look at the principles of God's word in economy, particularly in the area of time. And I think this is very important for us as parents to lay this foundation in our children for a heritage, for the work of God to continue. So when we got married, both with full-time jobs or renting our first home, and we're saving for our home together to buy, saving for that down payment, we decided as we discussed our resources and the blessings God had given us through our our employment, that we were going to give not only a faithful tithe, but we're also told to give freely offerings, right? As we have been blessed, we freely give. And so as we talked about this, we decided that we would also give 10% for offerings, now, that was a pretty big step just starting out. But we had that agreement. We talked it through. There was nobody with pressure. It was, God had planted that both in, in both of our hearts. And we found joy in that, in addition to giving to extra things in, in the work of God as they came up and supporting somebody going through uh, one of our Adventist educational systems in different ways like that. So we were really very committed to be faithful, to give back to God, the blessings he had brought to us.
0: And it was really exciting to, to be making that kind of commitment at the very beginning of our marriage. We had our five-year plan. Okay, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands on the five-year plan, but most couples have their plan for when they get married and they're going to make money and they're going to do this and they're going to do that. And then, then, then we're going to, after we get kind of financially stabilized, which is a good thing, then we're going to have children, Right. One week, seven days, after we made this decision to buy a house, we found out my wife was pregnant. Five-year plan wasn't working. Okay?
1: He was so excited. He was just like a little kid with his, just had received his favorite toy. He was just... I, can't, I don't want to demonstrate, but he was very animated about his excitement, and I was totally the opposite.
0: Yeah, can I tell him about that?
1: Go ahead. you going to
0: demonstrate? But, well, I was at the end of the bed, okay? Here's the bed, and she's up there, and I was literally jumping up and down. I said, this is so exciting! We're going to have a baby! And she just started to bawl like a baby. <laughs> And I saw immediately that this was not tears of joy. (laughs) This was deep sorrow, okay? Well, that's probably not deep sorrow, but fortunately we we worked through that. It wasn't sorrow because we had just signed a mortgage. There was sorrow for both of us when we figured that out, okay? (laughs) That was just seven days before. But we had a little different reaction, but we, we got on the same
1: well. Well, here, here's the stress, because now we had also made a commitment that when we were to have children, I would step back from full-time employment, that I would be a full-time mom at home. I, that was the example I was given in my home most of my childhood. My mother did work out of the home a little bit, but I always appreciated knowing that she was there. Mm-hmm. And that meant a lot to me. He had a mother who worked who didn't work out of the home. She was committed to the to be a mother and a wife in the home. And so we both came into the relationship like that. That was our plan. So we had saved this down payment, we put it on this house that had been based on two full-time incomes for at least the minimum of five years to knock down the the principal. And then we could afford to start a family on one income and have me at home. So part of those tears was the, the fear, the anxiety is, we have just bought a home based on two full-time incomes. And in less than nine months, we are down to one income. That was stressful. So we got out the, the paper, and the we, as the Bible says, Luke 16, 2, give an account of thy stewardship. And we got it out. We started making the budget, and this is what he has. And when we figured it all out on paper, we could not make the math work. And that was true. We could not make it work, but... Can you imagine what our first thought was to try to, you know, have funds come back into that account? Where do you think that we might have been tempted to do? <laughs> Offerings. I'm glad you didn't say the tithe because that's not an option, right? That's God. God has that already. But we 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 said that. You know, look. I mean, that's that's sorry. That's ten percent. I mean. Doesn't say we have to do 10%. I mean, we've been very generous and more than that most of the time, that 10% every month. So, but my husband said, honey, let's test God. Let's prove God. I mean, he has given us blessings. Let's just see if we can do it. By faith, I tell you, from the day we found out we were going to have a child, our whole plan for how we managed our money that you talk about cinching the belt it was beginning to be really cinched.
0: tightened it up god did bless that decision we are just days away from our 38th anniversary that's exciting the love of my life <laughs> and stay with the notes stay with the notes yeah
1: <laughs> we're not celebrating yet <laughs> we're not
0: celebrating yet <laughs> okay Keep on the track here. Yeah,
1: I just moved the paper, okay, so go thank ahead. You. There it is. <laughs> so, 30,
0: nearly 38 years, and God has never failed us. We continued by faith month after month, and I just, it sends chills down my spine when I realize that for months and months, it never added up on paper, And my wife and I are both, I mean, we can do math, okay? (laughs) And God came through month after month, year after year, when he says, prove me herewith, saith the Lord, and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing you will not have room enough to receive. Now, we never, you know, it's not like he dumps money out of heaven, but I tell you, I could tell you story after story of how God made that money work. And it is a miracle of stewardship. It is a miracle of a beneficent, benevolent God. And he will do this for us, for you. But it was a test of our faith. But our hearts were connected on this. And though we wavered, though we questioned, that financial decision was sealed Not because we felt we had to, but it was sealed because we wanted to give that to God. And we've never stopped doing that. And the average that we've given over the years, even being in ministry, and, uh, you know, people like Wes and Sebastian, we don't do it to get rich, right? (laughs) But we get riches in many other ways, okay? When When we're at a retreat like this, especially this one, Every day gets shorter. Every night, I mean, every day gets longer, every night gets shorter. And by the end of it, we are so tired physically, but we call it happy tired. Because we love you. And we love this opportunity. And we love to be able to serve God together. I praise God almost every day if not every day for the privilege of being able to do this with the love of my life. What what a blessing. And so God has continued to pour out blessings that are not always measured in dollars but measured in health. My wife and happiness. Yeah, and great happiness. My wife said the other day we were talking to somebody and she said that I had not been sick with a cold or flu for only once in 10 years. I didn't realize it had been that long. She's the nurse, okay? I but keep that's, track of them. That's a blessing of God. Mm-hmm. It's not because, I mean, we're with sick people lots of times, okay? But that is a blessing that we cannot measure in dollars and cents. And we praise God for that. And we don't take it for granted. And we try to take care of ourselves and exercise and... All those kind of things but that's mutuality
1: mutuality and mutuality in the budget is very important we don't buy little things or big things without us both agreeing doesn't mean I don't buy something that we that I think we need or that we can use but if I do I always go to him and say this is what I got this is what I paid what do you think and sometimes I take things back and sometimes we keep them so it's mutuality you know There is so much deception. There's so much. uh, Couples hide from each other, and this is an area that a lot of that happens in. And you will never gain mutuality if you hide what you're doing from your spouse. So when you guys are out at work and you stop by to get the, you know, Starbucks, and you don't want your wife to know that you stopped at Starbucks, what do you do? You don't bring the receipt home, right? Well, I tell you, we start at the beginning of our marriage a budget and accountability. That's what the Bible says, give an account of your stewardship. And everything is checked. There's nothing hidden in our expenses. And that has been such a freedom from allowing the devil to have an access to come in to divide us. We want mutuality by living faith in the area of finance in our relationship.
0: Amen. So if you don't have that kind of mutuality right now, Then the next area we're going to talk about is communication okay which is the number one reason marriages break down because of the lack of communication the poor communication or almost non-existent communication so be able to come together and communicate about your finances and remember we're talking about mutuality we're not talking about getting my way or feeling good about the way I was raised, or the way I spent money. We're talking about how we need to go forward in our finances mutually agreeing together with God. This triangle is a win-win situation on every front. Amen.
1: So you're talking about
0: communication. So communication. I'm going to ask you a little question here. Uh, If you were to have to, to make a decision about communication. And I say to you, do you think that it would be easier for you to communicate with somebody from Germany, with a translator, okay? Or somebody from Britain? Okay? England. Well,
1: what they would you speak say? English there. They yeah, speak they English. They speak there. English.
0: What would you say? What's the easiest? Okay? You, you, you know, everybody says it would be England. But here's the problem, and this is what happens in marriages, okay? Mm-hmm. So our associates, Paul and Carolyn, are, are British by, by birth. And so when we would go over to England, we would make this assumption very different than we would, we would go to Germany. When we went to Germany, we were prepared for a difference in our communication level. And we knew that it wasn't going to happen very well unless we had an interpreter, okay? When we went to Britain the first time, it was a piece of cake, we thought, right? We made the assumption they speak English and we speak English, but there are a lot of differences. And believe me, we got into some trouble. We've had some good laughs with Paul and Carolyn about areas that we got in trouble with, you know, like saying to the children, when we're over there, have a happy nappy. Do you know what that means over there? That means have a happy diaper. <laughs> and the first time we did that, full, full, fully thinking that, hey, we're, we're, we're speaking the same language. <laughs> and what happens in marriage is we think we're speaking the same language, right. but really, we're speaking my language and her, she's speaking her language, and it's very different sometimes. And we guys tend to speak in bold headlines, one-liners, like, good. And when it gets really bad, it's like, uh. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about. Because when we don't want to communicate, guys can really shut down to very minimal grunts and groans. That is a different language to this girl, Okay. She's going to speak to us if she gets the opportunity. And These are generalizations, but they're pretty, pretty accurate. She's going to speak to me
1: if I will listen in
0: paragraphs.
1: Sometimes chapters.
0: <laughs>
1: chapters. Because, I mean, he's got to understand it from the beginning to the end, right? He's got to have all the details. That's the way women are. We're, we, we are... Detail people, and so there is a big difference in how we communicate, and we need mutuality in that. That doesn't mean we always do it my way and we always do it his way. I don't think I've grunted yet, have I? <laughs>
0: <laughs> have I grunted, dear? <laughs> oh, no, you haven't grunted
1: for a long time, but. But I used to. Oh yes, especially in the morning. <laughs> especially within the first few weeks after we got married. That's when I first learned this new word he had, well, this new response he had, which was very disappointing. And and the assumptions start to build. There
0: was a lot of disappointment, I can assure you.
1: (laughs) Assumptions start to build, and then the tragedy of it, we start making decisions and responding based on assumptions, and we've never communicated for clarity. And that's why we have so much problems in communication. So in mutual, mutuality in our communication is we clarify what we mean. And for you guys, when you come home from work and your wife says, how was your day? Don't give her the one-liner, the one word. You don't even give a whole line, you usually give a word, good, okay, or
0: Nonverbal going on there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that you assume that because nothing dramatic happened in your day, you assume that your day would be totally of no interest to your wife. She wouldn't have asked you the question if she didn't want to have the answer. I'm interested in how his day went, and I'm interested in what. It, conversations he had or who he interfaced with at work or what kind of new procedure he taught taught to one of his students in the x-ray school. I am wanting to stay connected to him through communication. So guys, when your wife asks you a question, she's not wanting the overall good. She's wanting to know about what is really going on in your life.
0: I remember coming home. I can I can actually remember driving in the car. We rode to work together and we drove home together. And on the way home this one day, this just sticks out in my mind as it's indelibly imprinted there. She said to me, honey, how many times did you think about me today? And I paused. I just paused and that was it. That was a communication breaker. Because I paused. And the reason I paused is because I wanted to be honest. I didn't want to just say, oh, yeah, I just thought of you all day long, because that would have been a lie. But I paused, and I thought through the day, just really quickly, just went through the day, and I said, three times. She said, three times. And I could tell that that was not a joyful response. She said, I thought about you all day long. And I said, did you get anything done at work? <laughs> I was an honest question. Because I can't be doing radiology and thinking about my wife at the same time. And she said, yeah, I got, I got everything done. I said, how can you be thinking about me and doing your work? This does not compute for a man's mind, okay? Now, I've, I've come to understand that over the years. But this was back when communication was strained.
1: It wasn't very mutual. And in, in, in honesty and reality, when I use the word all day, that's true. Off and on, all day long. It wasn't every second, like I couldn't get him off my mind. But there's a lot of things we can do, you know. And I wouldn't be doing a nursing interview and be thinking about him. I wouldn't be doing that because I was the nurse recruiter. But I could be doing things at my desk or all kind of other things. I could be working in ICU and emptying the, ur- the urine bag. And I mean, I could be thinking about him and he doesn't get how you can be doing that. Well, because what I'm saying is you can be do task-oriented things. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that did not come out good. That wasn't in the practice. Okay, Amos 3.3, can two walk together except they be agreed? So the point is we need mutuality in our communication. So did you hear that?
0: Amos 3.3, 3. not about the urinal bag, okay? Amos
1: 3.3. I'm trying to think of okay. a, just a, a mundane task that I would be doing. I know.
0: Can two walk together except they agree? That's the part you, you got to get in your head, okay? I know the stories tend to stick a lot easier. Can two walk together except they agree? And this is mutuality. God wants to give it to us as a gift. If we are willing to let him infuse that into us, let, it, let his grace accept that he wants to do that. And so when I walk in, this is an amazing thing. There is life-changing power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because now I am not just the one-word person anymore. Now my wife would tell you that I will start telling her stuff about my day
1: that she's not even asking about, and she loves it. Amen. I don't have to ask because you volunteer. Yeah, keep, It keeps us connected. We are part of each other's lives, even though we may be separated or apart. So that's what's the beauty of it. And it's... I
0: stopped assuming that she wouldn't be interested in what happened in my day in some of these mundane things that she used to say in these back hallways of radiology that are dark and mysterious and so many closed doors. So what's she going to be interested about what goes on behind those doors?
1: Anyway, well, I can, I can stay in tune with his profession and, and understand what he's doing. And it really helped me on my side, too, because I learned about more of the tests and things like that. So it was, it was beautiful and mutual.
0: Heart of mutuality, Proverbs 5, verses 18 and 19 says, Be happy. How's that for theology? Be happy. Yes, rejoice in the wife of your youth. Are you rejoicing? No, this is not a raise your hand question. We can be rejoicing. I tell you, there's nobody in the world that I want to be with more than my wife. And I would not say that if it were not true because everything gets recorded in heaven. She knows that. Do you think that means something to her? There is nobody on the face of the earth that I would rather be with than her. She is the love of my life, okay? And I am happy with the woman that I married in our youth after nearly 38 years of marriage, and it's getting better Every day. Amen. Because this is God's plan. That's right. His love for us, if we respond to it, makes our relationship with him grow and get better. And the same happens because this relationship, husband and wife relationship, is the one relationship on the face of this earth that he has chosen to use as a representation of the love of Christ for his people. Isn't that beautiful? It's a responsibility, but isn't it a privilege that we can give a little sampling of that love when we are in a mutual, agreed relationship in Jesus Christ?
1: Amen. Adventist Home, page 103. In your life union, your affections are to be tributary to the other. This is speaking of the husband and wife relationship. So listen again. In your life union, your affections are to be tributary to each other's happiness. Think about that. Each is to minister to the happiness of the other. That's true mutuality. Each of us is to minister to the happiness of the other. That means my focus is to do all I can to make his life happy, pleasant, joyful. His responsibility is to make my life happy, pleasant, and joyful. If we did that, we would have so little conflict. No conflict. And it says, the next sentence, This is the will of God concerning you. When we read these kind of statements, we take them to heart. If this is not our experience, then this needs to become something that we ask God not only to plant in our minds, but put in our hearts, that he can grow us into that kind of love. This is the will of God concerning you, that my full responsibility in the marriage relationship is to make his life happy. You know what that does? It takes all the eyes off of me And I don't have to feel bad. I don't have to feel hurt. I don't have to feel all these things because I'm not looking at me. I'm looking at him to make his life happy. And vice versa. This is the will of God for each of us concerning you in our relationships.
0: Now, lest we create a needless misunderstanding here, this does not always happen in this relationship. But the good news is that it is happening more and more, and we are absolutely committed to this being the will of God for our marriage. Amen. See, everybody probably, I could say pretty safely, that everybody in this room would agree that our home is our first mission field. Is that true? We, we all just, yeah, I mean, amen. We, we, we believe that. But when it comes to practical, when my wife said, when we read a statement like this, I mean, we used to just read for volume, okay? And then we start recognizing if this is going to work in reality, we need to read for understanding and application. Amen. And so we take a paragraph like this, and we just practically unpack it for us, okay? Not for everybody out there, but for us. And we prayerfully focus on this and ask God and each other how to make this a reality. Because this is the will of God concerning us and you married couples today. It's his will. And if it's his will, and if our home is our first mission field, we will be better servants of God and as we were sharing in the In-N-Out message last night, if we will take this in and make this a part of us, we'll be much more effective with what we give out there, starting with our own children. Our marriages will give something to them, and then something to the church, and something to the broader field. Our testimony will be empowered by the grace of God working in us. It won't mean that we become selfish and focused just in our marriage. No, that's where it starts, and it becomes something beautiful out there.
1: Because it teaches us selflessness, and when there's selflessness, then it's it not only for you, but then it affects all of our relationships. We learn to be selfless to meet the needs of others. The third area you want to talk about mutuality is it within the spiritual context, connecting spiritually and mutually. This is another area that many and Probably, I was going to say most, I'll just leave it at many couples never talk about. This is another area that a lot of assumption happens in. It happened in our relationship. Right. We, we both love the Lord. We both came from good homes. We both had an Adventist education. We're grateful for all of that, but that is not enough. It's a personal choice. Every day to make that relationship with Christ new and vibrant and in reality in the relationship, and we set on this path and this mission that this is the this is how we started our marriage with this intent. This was our vision. We lost sight of it for a while. Then we came back to it. We're thankful to the Lord. He woke us up and brought us back to us that so we didn't just start, fall, you know, being consumed with the busyness of life and careers but one of the things that happened to us several years into our marriage after we moved to the country was that i had come to a point in my life and you know it doesn't matter who we are where we've come from how strong or how weak we are we always have an adversary don't we and he's always looking for a way to get entrance into our lives and hit us at our weak points sometimes it hits us on our strong points too but he's looking for a way to get a wedge in there and come in and do do his destructive work. And I was at a point in in our experience, we were doing well married marriage-wise, but in my personal walk with God, I, I started to feel like I'm just not going to get it. I mean, I was discouraged. I, I would get up in the morning, I would read, I would pray, I would read, I would pray, and it's like... I don't know what's ha- I have a very simple brain, and so I would. I just wasn't getting anything, and I felt so discouraged. And you know, when you start to feel discouraged, it spirals down quickly, doesn't it? And pretty soon, I'm, I'm more impatient with the children. Pretty soon, everything seems to be going wrong, and that only built more and, and strengthened that discouragement. And I can remember one morning, we were living in, our, in a little tra- fifth wheel travel trailer, in the process of building our country home and I was down in the little kitchen area of it and I I am very discouraged and almost to the point of just wanting to give up just give up and I looked up and I saw my husband up in the the bed area up on the fifth wheel part and he was kneeling by the bed and praying and I thought see there it is we he has got such a connection with God and he is doing so great in his walk, and I have nothing to contribute. I am, I'm the one who's gonna be left behind. I'll be the one that's lost. And with that kind of thinking, he would be better off with somebody else. Somebody else would be better off doing, you know, taking care of the children. And these were the thoughts I had. I was so discouraged. And I can remember starting to weep as I looked at him and thinking, wow, he has got it together. And when we get into that, and this is really, this is the devil's recipe, okay? When we view somebody else as having a higher experience, that is not a good thing. We need to look only at God and not other people. Not look at us, look to God. I was looking at him, thinking he's got it together.
0: Well, little did she know that I was under attack as well. And I'm very clear now that the devil was making a very... Uh, he had laid out a plan to destroy us. And I, I'm seeing my wife down here so faithfully. She all, almost always woke up earlier than me. She still does to, the, to this day. Almost always. Okay? She will wake up and she will be faithfully having her time with God, you know, and she'll say to me, you know, well, she doesn't say it much anymore, but she used to say to me, So do you. You hear the birds singing, and I'm going, what birds? (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I'm not even coming to full consciousness yet. (laughs) And she's been awake listening to the birds and talking to God. So I'm thinking, you know, she doesn't have any idea what I'm struggling with. She's down there every morning. She's down there. I wake up, and she's down there spending time with God. And here I am, supposed to be the priest of the family. So the devil was hitting both of us at the same time. And praise the Lord, because I wasn't going to say anything to her. Call it male pride, whatever, just, I don't know exactly what it was, but I was not going to discourage her by saying, you know, I'm, I'm not doing well. And she opened up her heart to me. And, because we're, we're running out of time here, but she opened up her heart to me. And that opened up our vulnerability in a new way, spiritually. And from that day forward, the devil did not take us down, praise God. But from that day forward, I have never, by the grace of God, ever lost track of my wife spiritually or each other in our spiritual mutuality in life. And one of the things that really blessed us during that time, and we like to share this part of it, is that we decided to take the book, The Desire of Ages, and take a portion of our quiet time, which we would, would do individually, and take a portion of that time where we agreed that we would read a portion of Desire of Ages and then come together, and then we would talk about what it meant to us practically, what it was meaning, how it encouraged our heart, how, how it set the tone for us in our, in our day and in our marriage. And we've never stopped doing that since those days back in Montana. And God has richly blessed that to his honor and glory.
1: So, don't be intimidated. Be real and honest. And this is a good opportunity, maybe while you're here at this retreat or right after you get home, just in the quietness of your relationship in the quietness of the evening or the quietness of the day when you don't have all the other pressures on you, wherever that time is, is to open up this conversation and really talk about it. Don't be fearful. Don't be ashamed. I mean, I was so ashamed. I felt like I had let him down, and that's why I didn't want to say anything. I wanted to, to hide it, but I was not able to hide it, and I and the Lord wouldn't let me hide it. The Lord knew I needed to get it out, and and that level of honesty and opening up the heart really helped to set us on a stronger course together and not you know continue on the journey together pacing the journey together not having him way out there and me way behind and that's how i felt and he felt the opposite of that he's i'm he's way behind and i'm out there so we set our hands together with the lord to have that mutuality in our spiritual life
0: and real quickly one of the things that that i have done since that time for many many years now is that and we love to walk We've been, we love to walk wherever we are. We're big walkers. And so we walk and talk together a lot. And maybe once a month, once every six weeks, I will say to her, how am I doing? Now, she understands that. What I'm asking for is, how am I really doing? Don't tell me what you think I want to hear, because my love language is words of affirmation. Number one, men love words of affirmation, so there's a lot of men I know that that's and I love words of affirmation, but don't tell me don't tell me what I you're want to hear. Yeah. you
1: not right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so she's very honest with me. So <clears throat> that's the first question I ask her on some of these long walks we take together, and she's honest with me, and it's very good. It, it doesn't always feel good, but it's it's rarely, oh. you know. It, yeah, it's she's
1: rare that I have to say anything. It's,
0: but then I ask, how are we doing? And we talk about how we're doing the deeper level. And then I always end it by saying, and how are you doing spiritually? I, I don't ever want to lose track of this girl again in the realm of spirituality. So, figure it out your own way, but that's one of the, the little checks that we do on our hearts. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9 to 13, it says, thy kingdom come. In other words, we want, we want what he has for us and to live in his kingdom Live his way, and thy will be done. Remember, we read that statement and it said, this is the will of the Lord concerning you, us. Okay, Thy will be done. Forgive us our debts, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And very few of us probably ever think of the Lord's Prayer in terms of our marriage, but we do. Because it is all about this relationship and this relationship with God where it matters first in this Lord's Prayer. And if it's happening there, then it's happening in the family. So in closing, we're going to sing a song that brings this, the Lord's Prayer, and think of it in the context of your marriage. Oh, Father in heaven, thank you for your love to us. Thank you for loving us with an everlasting love and not giving up on us. Father, I pray for each married couple, those watching on the live stream. Father, I pray that our mindset in our marriages would be mutuality as it is in Jesus Christ. That we would stop trying to do what we do through strife and, and our vain. Attempts at glory. The glory of self might be laid in the dust. And that this mind might be in us. It was also in Christ Jesus. Lord, we know this is possible. And we know that you've made all that we need available. We just need to continue to make the choices. To surrender ourselves, to have you work in us, to will and to do of your good pleasure in our hearts and in our homes. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse,